Hello and happy Monday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and it is always a pleasure to welcome you back to another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we cover topics across the Cisco portfolio to give you the insights you want and need. Today, we are discussing the predictive internet and what we can do to take the internet of the past four decades from reactive to proactive. Things like ML-driven models, autonomous networks, pattern recognition will surely come up in our conversation today, but ultimately, we are going to talk about the path to what will likely be the most impactful technology for the internet. To help us guide the conversation, we have our salted and seasoned Cisco champion hosts, Shai, Dan, and Mark, and a phenomenal Cisco SME, uh, JP Vassour. So kick back and join us for what I know will be a fascinating topic. All right, first on the agenda, introductions. JP, we will start with you. Thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us more about yourself and your role here at Cisco? Absolutely, Emily. And you know what? Um, first of all, I'd like to thank you because as always, you are the best finding the most relevant topic uh, to discuss on podcast. And second, I think we're going to have a lot of fun today because we have the best champions. But uh, my role at Cisco, I've been at Cisco for about 24 years working on service providers, technology, IoT, security, and different things like that. And for the past decade, uh, I've been leading the engineering team in charge of machine learning AI technologies. And I must say that although I've been in the field for about 30 years, this project is one of the most exciting. So I cannot wait until we have discussion with our champions. Awesome. All right, Dan, glad to have you with me. Who are you? What do you do? Hi, I'm Dan Kelcher. I am a senior network engineer with Sleep Number. Okay, perfect. (laughs) You'll fit in here. All right, Mark, who are you, my friend? I'm Mark Siebeling. I'm an expert consultant at Devo Team in the Netherlands, and my focus is architecture, technology, a lot of DevOps, and also everything interesting and annoyingly stuff that I don't know. So this is very interesting because AI and ML is about stuff you don't know, you want to know more about. So JP is probably going to tell us how we can predict the stock market. That maybe not, but you know, <laughs> we'll I'm not see. sure about that one, but I do my best. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter as at NetCICD and on uh, GitHub as NetCICD. Wonderful. Shy, it's always a pleasure. Tell us about yourself. Thank you, Amy Lee. I'm Shai Silberman. I'm the Director of Network Services at San Jose State University, sort of running a city of about 40,000 people under normal circumstances. Uh, and even though my name might make you think I'm shy, I'm really, I am, but I'm not. I am, but I'm not. But you know how that goes. But it's good to be here. <laughs> good to have you. All right, JP, before we get into the discussion, um, can you give us a little bit more background on the predictive internet and the things that you've been doing? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the reason why I mentioned that we've been working on machine learning at Cisco for about about a decade is that it's not always very well known, but we started off with the IoT, then we worked on what is known as Cisco AI network analytics for wireless. We've got thousands of customers now. And then two years and a half ago, we decided to look at the, what we could do in this area of the internet using machine learning AI. And I'm super pragmatic guy. I definitely don't think that we should be using machine learning everywhere because that's uh, you know the, the latest and greatest technology. I don't believe so. 
Uh, here in my team, we are driven by the use case and we use ML when we think this is the right technology. Now, let's talk a little bit about the internet. And Amelie, you said it at the beginning, the internet has been scaling remarkably well. We, when you look at the number of uh, BGP prefixes announced in the internet, we are close to 880,000. It's huge. It scales really well, but it is very much reactive. So what does that mean? It means that we've been improving many routing protocols like OSPF, ISIS. We came up with multiple ways of doing protection restoration at the optical layer, the IP layer. We did all that kind of stuff to first detect failures and then find a better path. But I also believe that with the emergence of SaaS-based technologies, the world has changed and it's now time to have a broader scope when we look at failures. In other words, for me, a failure is not just when you lose connectivity, but also where when the application does not get the correct, the required SLA so that you have the best experience. So the topic number one for me is how can we broaden the scope from detecting link failures and node failures, path failures to insufficient quality of service of the application? The point number two, which is really at the heart of this project, we started off, as I said, almost two years and a half ago, is, well, we've been in a reactive mode of operation. In other words, you wait until you have a problem and then you react. Imagine if the human brain was only reactive and you kept doing the same mistake uh, all over again without learning from the past. So the idea was, well, okay, but what can we do? Uh, is there a way to use some machine learning algorithm so that we can start predicting some issues before they happen? And if they take place indeed, then, um, well, you, you can combine two things, right? One is when I can predict, I can proactively reroute the traffic around the failure. And second, if I cannot predict for some failures, then I'm going to use the reactive mode. That's where we started. And I can tell you, no surprise. When I started to talk a little bit about this, people said, oh my gosh, this guy has been again trying to do something disruptive, new, it will never work. That was really the first. Uh, and I can understand why people were so skeptical about it. So we have been using a very pragmatic approach. We took about 100 huge networks um, from multiple areas in the world. We started to do some analysis about on the data and then we started to tune multiple approaches until the point where we said, okay, look at what you can predict and what you can do with the predicting internet. So I'd stop there because I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun discussion now, but um, that's really how the project started off. And we're not so far from showing how the product works in the internet. So guys, what do you think? Uh, JP, this is shy. I think this is just very, very uh, exciting, especially when it comes to the uh, trying to predict when things are going to happen. And now the the question I have is: uh, Are we also the network generally has very limited capability uh, in its way to queue things up when there's an issue? So, is part of this predictive internet also going to build some workflows to communicate? Uh, this information into the application layer so the application can take uh, proactive measures as well? Uh, yes. So there are many ways to answer this question, right? So I think the first piece is really about the time 
the forecasting horizon. So in other words, how, you know, in other words, we want to predict an issue in the future. Is it going to be in one minute or is it going to be in, in four hours or is it going to be in one week? So uh, we, we can have an opportunity to discuss more about how far, you know, how soon can we start predicting? Now, what do we expect the application to do? I think that for now, at least, the goal is more to say, I don't want to go back to the application and say, look, be careful, something will happen. But at least uh, what I would love to do is to say, I know that if I keep uh, steering the traffic along a given path, and I know that the SLA will not be good enough, I can reroute the traffic onto another path that will provide the best SLA for the application. And guess what? I would love the application not to be even aware that there will be an issue. So that's what we're trying to do. And how far ahead can you uh, predict? What is your horizon? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes people, they use the, the word predictive analytics in a, in a kind of weird uh, fashion, if you will. So if you are trying to get the trends and say, I can predict six months ahead, it's a trend. It's basically you do a simple correlation and you say, well, it seems that uh, this path is getting congested and stuff like that, but it's not really what I mean by predictive analytics and the predictive internet. So our goal for now is basically to go between a few minutes to a few hours, to be precise. And we've done some experiment uh, 24 hours in advance. And of course, you know, we do the prediction, let's say it's uh, 8 a.m. We're going to start doing prediction until 8 a.m. the day after. And then as we get closer to the prediction, we tend to revise our prediction to say, is it still valid? Because as you get closer to the event, you get you, you start to accumulate more information. And with that information, you may change your mind and say, okay, that was a prediction I've made 12 hours ago. But you know, now that I'm getting closer to this event, maybe it's less likely that it will happen. So I'm going to cancel my decision. So we do that up to 24 hours in advance and we revise on an hourly basis. Now, we start to see some use cases where a few seconds before, we see some very interesting signal. But of course, in this case, uh, the, the, the algorithm has to run on-premise, right? Because you cannot wait until you go to controller in the cloud and then go back on the router. Uh, but that's something we're looking at. For now, at least, you know, at, at this point in time, we're more looking at a few hours ahead. So, so if I understand you correctly, correctly, JP, it's like we use the machine learning to do the prediction, and then we use artificial intelligence to make the short-term decisions based on what we see and the prediction. That's correct. That's exactly correct. So the idea, of course, it leads to an interesting topic, which is, but wait, uh, if you make a if you make a prediction in two hours, how can you change the uh, the path? automatically, you know, you need to have a closer control mechanism. So as of now, we are looking at two kinds of prediction. One is called the short-term prediction. So in other words, something will happen in one hour, two hours, three hours. And of course, we want to provide a signal to the user and say, look, here is what we believe will happen. And then you can manually act uh, on it, or you can trigger an automatic, automatic action. And this is a second kind of prediction, which is about, hey, here is what uh, will happen in the longer term. 
and we recommend you to change the configuration in this region. And I think, to be honest with you, that it is also a very fascinating uh, aspect because we've been working, as I said, with 100 customers, huge amount of data. And what we see is that in some region of the world, guess what? You, you send the voice traffic over NPLS tunnel and it's not always a good idea. And it could be temporary, it could be permanent. So our engine, in addition to being able to predict things that will happen in a few hours, is also capable of saying, ah, in this region of the world, you use color red, you'd better off going with uh, color blue for the Office 365 traffic in this region. And then you can decide to change that on the fly as well. So that's basically a little bit like Google Maps is trying to influence people driving on the roads. Uh, we have an alternative route for you. You can act upon it or you cannot. And it will say, okay, we expect uh, traffic to be very dense there. And at that moment, uh, take these precautionary me measures in order for your application to behave the way you intend it to behave. That's right, Mark. And I know you live in Amsterdam, but uh, I also know that Chai is, is in San Jose, so he knows very well the 101, right? So if you look at the 101, if you go back home and you take the 101 at 4 p.m., you know it's going to be congested. So um, that's, that's a very clear signal. What is interesting is that in the internet, you will keep going on the same path every day. And every day you say, ah, boy, there's an issue with me, we route the traffic. So you never learn from the path. Here, we're using machine learning to encode a behavior so that we don't do the same mistake twice. So the, the reality here is we need to be in control of the path, right? Because as soon as you let the packet go to your default route uh, out of your internet gateway, for example, you're not in control of the path. So uh, we're going to be using equipment where we have a, a dynamic VPN, software-defined network. So we have multiple paths to, to choose from, uh, if I understand that correctly. But I, I guess my, my bigger question is also... Uh, we need to get better visibility into what bandwidth we're consuming because we're really consuming a digital food chain, right? For example, if I'm on Comcast, so you need to also have visibility into what uh, different internet entities are doing and, and different points of view. How do you accomplish that? Uh, you know, thank you, Shai. It's a fantastic question. You know why? Because I would argue and say, no, we don't. Because... Indeed, you know, let's take an example. First of all, I like to go back to what you said about you have multiple paths to choose from. So if you look at the typical SD1 deployment and you look at an edge device, the typical configuration is what? You have multiple tunnels, and one could be NPLS, another one could be, I don't know, internet tunnel, and you can back all the traffic to the hub, or you can go to the internet directly. So in this case, what do you have? You have three paths. And now with SASE, we have a yet another one. And so we start to see, it's very interesting, by the way, because we start to see many more paths than in the past. So in this, in this case of a predictive internet, our objective is not to say, hey, I want to know if I am in Boston and I'm sending my traffic to Office 365 located, I don't know, somewhere uh, in the US. Do I need to know I get the telemetry about the service providers I'm going through and do I need to, to gather all of that? And my argument is to say, no, I don't. All I care about is to say, okay, I've got a given destination. I've got three paths. 
all I need is to monitor what is the quality of the path and what is the user experience along those paths, even though I may not know anything about what's going on within, you know, uh, along this path. So all I care is what is the best experience. And if I can learn that by sending, um, you know, some traffic at a given hour, uh, you know, thing like that, basically the quality of service will not be good enough. If I go via path A and they like it's going to be good on path B, then I'm going to switch to path B. So I only need to know the characteristics of a path end-to-end in addition to the layer 7 as well. And you do that to limit the amount of data that you need to ingest to do the prediction because I can imagine that there's a lot of data to process before you can actually... Yes, but the good news is is that we we have this data already. So if you can test D1, for example, we have multiple types of probes, right? We have BFD along the tunnels, we have CXP probes. Uh, Of course... You guys know that we acquired Fazanize, and of course, that's a great source of telemetry because it's not limited to the layer three. We can have some uh, synthetic traffic and we can understand what is the response time of HTTP page loading and all that kind of stuff. So, this is a very rich set of data that we can use. And what we've done in this project was indeed to have a single data lake where we concentrate. Um, probes coming from different uh, points in the network. So this is extremely rich. Now, what I believe as well, and I would love to see if you guys agree with that, because I think that's a, to me, that's a very interesting topic. When you look at um, what we used to call the IPR glass with a very thin IP layer and layers and all that kind of stuff. And I know, Shai, you, you, you're still teaching networking, right? At San Jose University. Okay. <laughs> so, if you look at that, right, we always said, look, I'm doing uh, my, I'm making my decision about routing, um, looking only at the layer three. I, I don't want to do any kind of layer violation and all this. To be honest, I think that we have changed that a little bit with the IoT because in the case of the IoT, you could not really, uh, it's still very beneficial. What I also believe is uh, if you only look at the layer three and the probes, does that tell you everything you need to know about the user experience? And I don't believe this is the case, right? So I don't know if you guys agree with that. Yeah, like layer three is only going to give you very limited uh, experience, especially because you also need to be able to look at the protocols and potentially uh, deal with different protocols differently. And, you know, also when you think about this, we see a lot of people who say, you know, the average delay should be below 300 milliseconds for voice round trip. This makes no sense whatsoever. Because if you do an average of a one hour, 3% is an enormous number. So you need to go way deeper, only on the layer three, but also what is the really the user experience when you get voice? So on our side, we've been working very closely with the WebEx guys to really understand what does that mean in terms of user experience. Uh, and we get feedback from the layer seven. And that's super important because the codec sees stuff that we don't see at the layer three. And so that's why in the predictive internet, we not only do we want to be able to predict stuff in the future, but we also want to broaden the scope above the layer three and look at the layer seven and really optimize for the user. 
So for for example, though, I mean, let, let's pick on a, on a WebEx example here, which I think is good. Is uh, I know today in WebEx, we have the ability to delineate between the video stream and the voice stream. Uh, are you are, So at some point, we might be able to say, look, it's like we don't have enough capacity to do both in high quality, but we can ensure that the voice continues to work while uh, we, I guess, sacrifice the video quality. That's right, Chai. And actually, I can tell you, we monitor about between 300 and 400 variables, uh, both for voice and video. And we can take advantage of this kind of metrics that, so that indeed, if you have an issue between the two, you can start doing some uh, on-the-fly adjustment on the network. So that's absolutely something we can do. We can even do it reactively or proactively. And I think that's the power of the future internet to say, Instead of doing, seriously, I don't know if you guys agree, or maybe I'm getting too old, I don't know, but seriously, right, we we have been doing the same thing all over again, which is static metric for the links and stuff like that, then you choose the best path, and then you check afterwards with the probe, and you say, ah, too bad, you know, it's not the best quality of service. I think it's time to have a slightly better option where you look at the real user experience and a priori, you choose the best path. What, what do you guys think? So are you are you able to basically dynamically set um, almost like a standard deviation from a, uh, a quality of service standpoint? We normally expect, you know, this range, this is what normal is. We only want to go off by a standard deviation of, you know, whatever this is, instead of, like you said, just a, a flat static 150 millisecond latency or 1% packet loss. Can you go in and just say, Anything that's outside of this range of what our baseline is? Yes, totally. So, for example, you bring up a, a really interesting uh, point, Dan, which is, and, you know, I would like to start posting these videos um, uh, sooner than later, but we've done some analysis about the path characteristics. So, you can imagine that you have a 3D movie, and X is the delay, Y is the, the loss, and then the jitter. And you, you really look at the trajectory of the path characteristics in that 3D space. So you have sort of a green box, which is your hard template, hard boundary. And you want to look at the number of times you go outside of the green box and then you go back. And what we see is that we have very different patterns depending on where you are. So for some people, some path, we are really in a you know within the box all the time and all of a sudden it goes crazy for other ones they are you know fairly stable and you oscillate between borders for other ones you know they are very chaotic as well and we know that even though the average is still the same for each each of these paths the the experience of the user is going to be completely different and that's what we want to do with the predictive internet also which is how can we really understand what makes the user happy? And instead of a hard boundary, like, okay, if you are within the box, you're good to go, say, no, we want to understand that. And on top of that, we want to be predictive because, well, why, why do we have to wait uh, until we, have, we see the issue if we can start predicting in advance? And, and seriously, I absolutely believe that it is going to be a game changer um, because again, it's a very different approach. So, I, I mean, if if I'm kind of reading this correctly too, I mean, it's really plausible that let's say I have uh, I have a connection with with three or four paths that every application 
uh, could have its diverse path. So it's not about layer three always routing that way, but really making decisions based on each application and the quality of service that we want to deliver to it. Absolutely, Shai. That's exactly right. Now, now the other question I have here is uh, I subscribe to a, to a distribution group called Outages, uh, where you know we talk about outages uh, by operators uh, across the U.S. and sometimes globally. Now, as you sense, for example, that let's say the in Atlanta, AT&T is having an issue, uh, are you able to take multiple feedback points from um, a certain region and incorporate that into a, uh, I guess, a more systematic uh, proactiveness, or is each site going to have to make its own decisions? Do you mean, Shai, that if they see in Atlanta that stuff is going wrong and then in Houston... That you in San Jose will be like warned in advance that you might start to, you might need to start rerouting stuff. Yeah, and and, and my question is: is this a? I mean, is there a systematic way to do feedback saying this region is having an issue, or is each site just going to have to take its own corrective action? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's a difficult question because. That's exactly what Fazenize is doing. So Fazenize, we, we you know we keep collecting uh, different probes and they do cross correlation so that you can root cause a problem. Now, what we do is that we take this kind of feedback to potentially cancel some predictions. The problem is, do we want you know is it a strong enough uh, signal so that we can better predict in the future? So for example, if it's a fiber cut, what is the likelihood that um, this event will help me uh, predict for the next six months. It, it's usually a very isolated issue. And I, I think that this kind of event can play a role at the better react, uh, you know, have a, a better way of reacting as opposed to helping me doing a better job at predicting. Do, do you think that makes sense, Shai? Uh, it it does right. I mean, I mean, there's physical accidents that happen, but my my question was not about predicting, um, uh, predicting the next fiber cut. But if we know that in a region there's an issue, are we are we doing a federated uh, orchestrated reaction across all the customers, or is each customer going to have to sense its own do its own sensing that there's an issue, high packet loss, and then adjust the path based upon that. Yeah, yeah. So it's more of everybody would have to make his own decision. And at the same time, it may not be a bad thing because if you have this, first of all, we don't have any central authority that we enforce for everybody, of course. And the fact that we make it fully distributed, make it more robust as well in terms of uh, making, you know, having a more robust uh, reactive uh, decision, I would say. So I guess to, to maybe try and give an example of that, I ran into an issue a couple of years ago now, where there was a BGP peering issue that essentially resulted in VPN clients losing connectivity. From our standpoint, everything looked good, but we had endpoints, you know, home users, they, some of them routing just wasn't making it to our environment. From, from the inside, we didn't see this as a problem because these were client initiated connections. So just the, you know, the lack of, of a connection wasn't triggering an alert. But being that this was an ISP level issue, other companies that might have had a site-to-site -site VPN using that same provider would have generated some form of an alarm. So it sounds like we right now we're not backfeeding, hey, this ISP has an issue. You may be impacted by that. We're just, my network is my network and it's only basing decisions off of what's occurring in my network. 
Yeah, and you know, that's a good point, Dan. And this is, as I said, this is also really what Farzanize is trying to do. So it's really to aggregate uh, issues across customers so that they can draw a better, they can make a better decision and leverage the knowledge about across customers. Um, on the side of prediction, that's not super, it wouldn't be uh, super useful to do that, but in terms of, you know, being reactive and, you know, basically aggregating the data across customers is more about the reactiveness. And so, for example, if you run the thousandized agent today, you can say, oh, uh, we know pretty sure, we are pretty sure that the root cause is X because we've seen the same issue with all of our customers in this region. So that's the reason why we know the root cause. And I think this is very useful, of course. But that's still based on technical data. Yes. So uh, what Dan was referring to, I can also imagine that you want to watch or follow socials because you see that if there's a lot of issues on ISPY, then that if you know that ISPY might be having issues, you can also predict that your customers and I following a path through ISPY will be impacted as well. So you can prepare for that. Yeah, that's true. And even more than that, you know, the, the machine learning prediction uh, algorithm, they, some of them they are using as an input feature by using some attributes that reflect what we usually see in a given region or for a given service provider. So that allows, if you will, to take advantage of the fact that a path is not a path. You know, we can have path from multiple ISPs and the model does does take into account which is the ISP, what is the topology of a network and all these attributes. Because the more we get, the more we learn and the more accurate we are at predicting. Because it's really about path qualities is really what it's about. Yes. You know, in the past, I talked a little bit about, um, because when people talk about machine learning, of course, they understand that the more data you have, if you get the autonomous driving with Tesla, that's the same thing. They accumulate a huge amount of data. So for me, it's about the amount of data, but the diversity of the data as well. So for example, when we shipped a Cisco AI network analytics, and we could, and actually Shai, we worked together closely on that one, but right. about the ability to do troubleshooting of wires networks and other things, I'm glad we had data coming from very different environment because uh, in universities, right, Shai, we saw um, every hour a bunch of students moving. So the pattern was extremely different than a retail office or healthcare office. So that's the same thing in our case. So in our case, for example, the fact that we are in the cloud, we have visibility on more than 2,000 service providers. I mean, this is, as you can imagine, this is enormous. If you look at, um, I could share with you the, the numbers, but um, the, the amount of telemetry that we are using is, uh, I mean, the sky is the limit here. It's, there's so many things uh, everywhere. So we can use art metrics. We can use a thousand prime, a thousand ice probes. We have a BFD probe, CXP probes. So that's why running the cloud, we can leverage the data across all of the customers to have a much better solution. Does that also imply uh, that I can tell you like, okay, so I'm a government or I'm an SP in Europe with this profile and you can give me a tailored prediction? 
something that will not be uh, i mean if you're an enterprise in asia you may you may have a different uh requirements for predictions than when you're an isp in 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 south america or europe that's right that's exactly right but i also think i also think it's i mean a big part opportunity here is looking at what applications you're running across the network and which one are your critical applications as well i mean because i mean this this is also about layer seven not just about layer three and four that's right and so we do both so first of all, on the first aspect, which is, are we going to see very different kind of profiles? Actually, you know, Mark, when you look at, um, are we seeing the same prediction accuracy around the world? And the answer is no. And uh, that was expected because, of course, the profile of the traffic is not the same. The profile of the fares is not the same. And so everything is different. And that's why when we look at the, the ability to predict and the accuracy and all those things, they vary from customers to customers and from SP to SP. So these things are very different. Now, to your point, Chai, not everybody is interested by the same kind of prediction. So what we do, of course, we support the same, uh, the usual suspects, right? Voice and video and, and uh, you know, a, a bunch of well-known application, Office 365 and all those things. But... We also have customers who say, look, guys, of course, I want to have the best experience as possible in terms of voice and video, but what I care about is my home application. It's an industrial application. So could you start making your prediction on a specific type of traffic? And can you use your machine learning algorithm to predict what will be an SA failure for this kind of application? So that's something we'll be supporting as well. So you have the ability to tell us what is key for you. So do do you get in the near future something like uh, that you that you see on uh, AliExpress or Amazon customers with a profile a traffic profile like yours may also you did also uh use this prediction or you may also like this prediction given the traffic profile that we've collected from you Ah uh, so you mean some kind of a recommendation systems well Given the fact that you collect so much telemetry data, you will not only have a lot of data and dynamics, but also you'll see groups of similar networks emerging. And then you may not even be aware of other other customers with the same kind of profile that you have. So you may not be aware that other people may need the same kind of recommendations as you have but given the amount of data that you have i can imagine that it's interesting for cisco to say okay you can subscribe to this uh, service where we based on your traffic profile see that similar customers get these predictions and we see the same patterns happening in your place so you may end up with these challenges in the near future so take these precautionary measures or am i taking it way too far here no 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 no. it's not too far it's just that the benefit of you know there's a risk as well because if i for example i look at a customer and i say huh it looks that your profile is similar to the profile of another customer maybe shy as you said doing some clustering mechanism and you start recommending to them and say hey don't use this kind of path because Based on what I, I saw with this other customer, um, you may want to do that. 
For now, I would much prefer to customize the predictions on a, for each customers rather than trying to generalize too much because otherwise, you know what is very important for me, Mark, as well is, and that's why I said to my team at the beginning, I said, look, we're not trying to predict everything because we can't. There are many, uh, you know, events that are unpredictable. Am I going to make some mistake? Yes. And um, that's a given. And we show it, by the way. Uh, on the product, we, um, you know, we, we, we're going to show and say, look, we had predicted that and that's not what happened. How often does that happen? Very rare. Because the way we tuned the uh, algorithm, it's in such a way that when I make a prediction, I want to be right. I'm not trying to predict everything. So that's basically the philosophy of a product. Is that kind of like, like, you know, when we do caching engines, just kind of checking out the cache hit, right? Seeing how effectively our caching algorithm. So you have to do the same thing is yeah. you got to have some validation of how many times your prediction has been yes. spot on. That's right. And, you know, not only that, uh, first of all, I wanted, we wanted the product to be extremely transparent. So at the, that's why at the beginning, I'm like, guys, we learn from the past first time that we do it. Second, I'm not trying to say, oh, the predictive is gone. Uh, the reactive, sorry, is gone. No, we will be using both of them. And, but when I predict, I want it to be correct. So recall could be low, but precision has to be high. And when we make mistake, we want, we want to learn from our own mistake. And that's something we're looking at for the future as well. Sounds good. Hey, we could go forever, guys. I'm, I'm completely, I love this kind of discussion. And I know it's not always, um, when something is new, right? You are skeptical, but when you try the product, you're going to start to see what it can do. I hope so. JP, I, I think I'd like like one, one question. I mean, it's, I'm going to kind of uh, joke a little bit about, uh, you know, Cisco's model right now is, you know, the bridge to possible and everything else. So uh, we've had a lot of wonderful conversation here, but uh, if you had to pick three things that are now possible that weren't before, what would they be? Ah, yes. Thank you. It's a, it's a nice question. So the first thing is, is definitely why, you know, wouldn't you want, if you could predict something that will happen, sometimes, you know, people say, ah, but that's okay. You know, I can react. And I'm like, yeah, you can react, but when you react, it's too late. So if there's some low hanging fruit, we, the sky is the limit there. We could do a lot of things. But the first thing that would be possible soon is to say, well, in some regions, for some events, I will be able to predict and say, you will have an issue, and guess what? The issue will happen, and so why not avoiding it? Number one. Number two is the ability to say, look, I'll be listening a little bit, um, you know, and get feedback from the application, first time. And no, it's not layer violation. And uh, yes, we can learn from the application and say, oh, maybe I've been using the same probes, and the probes are great, but that's not sufficient. Now, I, I, what I learned is that this path is not good for a given application. Three, and that's the last one. We've been talking about self-healing, self-whatever uh, for a long time. And to me, I think it's going to take uh, quite some time, right? We are all excited about this, but the day we can start uh, doing closer control automatically. And of course, the prediction is the first step towards this direction and have a true self-healing network, I think it's going to be tied to retire. I don't know, Dan, Shai, and Mark, if you guys agree to retire, but we still have a few years ahead of us, right, before we're there. But I think this is a, this is a fantastic next step. 
Well, I'm going to run if that happens. It's going to be scary. <laughs> well, well, it depends, right? You can keep control. And to be honest, Mark, you know about the scary piece of uh, machine learning AI. We all know about scientific, some sort of uh, movies and blah, blah, blah. Uh, come on. I mean, machine learning now, yeah. <laughs> but, but machine learning is, is all about uh, pattern recognition and regression. So it doesn't do anything scary, but it's going to help us, I believe. All right. Well, surprise, surprise, I predicted it. This has been another phenomenal episode of Cisco Champion Radio. Thank you for listening in and joining us today. If you want to learn more about today's topic or you want to uh, check out that white paper JP mentioned, just click on the link provided in the description below. And just a reminder, you can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button now. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. See you next Monday.